times like these where we can just invite God to increase our faith, increase our trust in Him, you know, and we can be the example to an entire world that needs faith, that needs hope, and we can be that. And so let's just, as we continue to pray, as we continue to worship this morning, let's just invite God, say, God, give me faith to trust what you say, to trust in your promises, to trust in who you are. Even in those moments where I start to fear, I start to have anxiousness, just, God, I want to choose faith. So I just pray for that. Let that be your prayer this morning as we continue to worship together.
says Psalms chapter 103 praise the Lord my soul all my inmost being praise his holy name praise the Lord my soul and forget not all of his benefits who forgives all of your sins and heals all of your diseases who who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles so we know that God heals diseases all through the New Testament. God went from, or Jesus went from uh, city to city, town to town, healing of all the diseases and brokenness. But not only does he redeem us and heal us from disease, but he heals us from mankind's greatest disease. He took that on the cross, and that is our sin. And so we just believe that not only can God heal us of this disease that has uh, impacted our lives and our daily lives, but he also will heal us of all of our sin and brokenness and make us whole. So today as we pray as, uh, as a church and as a nation, we're just going to pray and believe that as we 
uh, commit our lives to him that he will forgive us of our sin and as we pray together that he will heal us of this disease, this virus that has uh, come on our land. Uh, do you believe that today, that God can heal us? So let's join together by faith. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus today. Father, that you would come and meet with us here this morning, Lord. We thank you for those that are here, and we ask, dear God, that you would bless each one. We thank you, Lord, for those that are worshiping online with us today. And God, we pray your watch care and and uh, God, that you would open our hearts to receive all that you have for us this day. Lord, we do pray for our land. We pray for <clears throat> this disease, this virus that has uh, come upon uh, the people of this land and around the world. And God, we join together by faith today, believing God that you can heal our land of this disease. God, we pray in the name of Jesus and we ask you, Lord. We ask God that you would be near to each one that uh, has already been Inflicted by this virus, Lord, we believe that you are the great physician and that you can heal the body. And so, God, we lift up our country to you. We lift up our leadership, Lord, and we ask, dear God, that you would heal us. Lord, not only of, uh, of this coronavirus, but, God, will you just come in a mighty way this day and heal us of our sins, Lord. Will you just help us as a body here at Salem Fields Community Church, Lord, to be uh, just about the business of of God of um, speaking truth and living truth, uh, Father, in people's lives, and help us, Lord, to share the good news that God, not only do you heal of disease, but you heal of our sin, heal us of our sins, and we thank you for that. Lord, I ask today that you be with Anthony as he brings the message. I pray your Holy Spirit, Lord, would just be near to him, anoint him, Lord, and I pray that you would open our hearts today to receive the message. And Lord, we thank you again, and we believe by faith that you are here and, Lord, that you are going to do something very incredible and special in our lives because we're here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, welcome to church today. We're glad that you're here this morning. And uh, we just uh, uh, believe that uh, you're going to be blessed because you uh, made the effort and maybe uh, somewhat maybe take a, took a risk to be here. But I believe God will honor that. And so we, we're glad that you're here. We're going to receive our tithes and offerings in just a few moments. We won't be passing the buckets because we don't want you to touch those cruddy old buckets. <laughs> and, uh, so there will be buckets in the lobby as you leave or in the, by the doors, and you can drop your check or cash in those, or you can give online. If you're online worshiping with us today, you can push that little green button up the top of the screen, or you can give online here as well. You can go to our app and give. Uh, you can uh, give. Uh, you can go to our app. You can go out to the credit card, debit card machines. Uh, they have been disinfected and uh, are ready to serve you, and so you can uh, do that uh, and give there, uh, just however you choose to give today. Give faithfully, trust God that he will bless you more than ever. The church would need uh, for us, the faithful, to remain uh, faithful in our giving, and because uh, things just need to keep moving on, and uh, we're trusting God for that. So thank you again uh, for being here. Check in on Facebook or the social media of your choice, and uh, let people know that you are here and uh, that you're trusting God uh, for the healing of our land and uh, for those that are uh, suffering from this virus. Uh, also today, our connection card, if you're a guest, we welcome you here, and we're glad that you're here. If there's any guests with us today, there's a free uh, gift for you as you leave and, uh, and at the table out there, and uh, you can meet one of our people there and receive that gift. And uh, so we welcome you here. And uh, fill out your connection card if you're a regular attendant and you need prayer or anything. Uh, we'd love for you to fill that out. Our celebration service is tentatively scheduled for next week. And uh, at this point, uh, we hope to be able to pull that off. Uh, it's a great time in the church. It's a great way to celebrate all that God has done. Gay and I are particularly excited about that being our last Sunday. And uh, one of the great joys we've had is being in the celebration services uh, and watching people uh, be baptized and being a part of that and celebrating that and baby dedications and uh, sharing communion together. And we hope to be able to do that next week. And if you'd like to be baptized, we'd love to do that. And uh, so you can put it on your connection card by faith that that may happen, that will happen. And also, uh, if you want your child dedicated, uh, we'll be sure to wash our hands before we uh, do that dedication. But anyway, I uh, hope that you'll be here for that. Next Sunday, there'll be no Saturday night service. 
And there will be no Sunday 9 o'clock service or 11 o'clock, but there will be a 1030 service. And uh, we hope that you, if we are able to do that, that you're here to be a part of that special time of celebration. Rich has something to speak to you about. And I mentioned it last week, but uh, we really just want to be able to honor and celebrate, you know, Pastors Buddy and Gay. They've just given so much of themselves over the course of, you know, the last 25 plus years. And so really just want to encourage you, uh, you know, we wanted to provide some opportunities just to be able to just tell them how much we appreciate them and value them and how they've impacted us. And so there is a bucket that's out there. You can bring in a card. You can drop a gift in there. Uh, so I just want to encourage you to to do that. Uh, we also have a room set over here where there's going to be somebody in there after service, and you can record a video message. Uh, but say you don't have the time to stick around and do that, uh, just pull out your cell phone. Even all those that are joining us online, pull out your cell phone, record a, a quick video, a quick message, just saying, you know what, uh, this is how you've impacted me, and I just want to appreciate you and thank you and honor you. And so you can actually email those videos to video messages at salemfields.com. Uh, but uh, let's just send them off on this next season, uh, into this next season of their, their lives and ministry of just uh, being able to say, you know what, uh, we honor you, we celebrate you, and look at the impact that you have made. So I encourage you to do that uh, so that we can give that to them. Okay, let's stand and hug somebody you don't know. <laughs> anyway, just kidding. Uh, we have the great honor today to have with us our youth pastor. Anthony Poindexter. Anthony, come right on up here. You know what? We've watched Anthony grow up in this church. Not only has he grown up, uh, but he has <laughs> also grown out. Uh, <laughs> but not has he only has he grown <laughs> physically, he has grown spiritually here. Uh, yeah, man, look at that. I hide those because I'm married. And <laughs> anyway, uh, we've watched him grow up spiritually, more importantly. Anthony came here not knowing about Jesus. He now knows Jesus. He has served him faithfully. He has surrendered his life to him. He is called, and he's doing an excellent job with our students. We could not be more blessed uh, to have Anthony as our student pastor, and he's doing a great job. And uh, Gay and I have been a part of his life for a long, long time. We've watched him grow up. He, uh, my grandson and uh, Christian and uh, Anthony were our good friends, and he was a good a part of Jody and Jason's family. And so it's a real honor for us today uh, to be able to be here as Anthony preaches his first message in the big church, uh, as it's called. And so I'm, we're excited about that. We have been blessed by his ministry. And we just love Anthony, and I know you do too. So let's make him feel like we really love and appreciate him right now. And he's going to come back and preach in a minute. So let's go ahead and stand to our feet as we continue to worship together this morning. It's just as we prepare our hearts for the word that God has given tone, let's just ask God to mold us and shape us, to just speak to us. That's what this entire song is about. It's just this reality that, you know, we are the canvas and the clay. And God is the artist and the potter that just wants to mold us and shape us and create something beautiful in and through us. And so let's just invite his spirit. Let's invite his presence. Let's just allow him to move through this place. In my mother's womb. Before me with your hands, known and loved by you. Before I took a breath, when I doubted, Lord, remind me I'm wonderfully made. You're an artist and a potter of the canvas and the clay. And you make all things. Work together for my future and for my good. You make all things work together for your glory and for your name.
there's a healing light just beyond the crowds. Though I've walked through fire, I see it clearly now. I know nothing has been wasted, no failure or mistakes. You're an artist and a potter of the chaos. Amen. Give the Lord a hand this morning. Amen, amen, amen. All right, so what I would like you to do just real quick is turn to your neighbor. Say, hey, neighbor, I'm here in faith, and I'm here to worship. Don't breathe on me. Come on, say it, say it. Say don't breathe on You might get breathed on today. You might get breathed on the Holy Spirit and don't know it. All right, so just be wary of that. Man, I just got to point out, Devin, my man, you've grown so tall. Stand up real quick. I've known this guy since a wee little lad. Give him a hand for growing so tall. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you so much, bro. Man, it is an honor and a blessing to be here. I just want to give a hand to Buddy and Gabe for allowing me to speak. Give them a hand. Yes. Yes. They've been extremely wonderful in my life and wonderful to my family. They're such blessings. Um, and they've took a step out in faith, letting me be up here. I'm just letting you know that right off the bat and go hide nothing from you. And I'm just going to get right into it. So every single one of us is on a journey. Some of us are at the beginning. Some of us are at the middle. And some of us are nearing the end. Somewhere along the road, you had to make a decision. In fact, many decisions that led you down a specific path in life. Think about it right now. Where are you at? Have you found yourself where you want to be? Or are you striving to be better? 
Maybe you've spent time traveling down a road and you realize that you didn't want to be there. Maybe you've realized that you're traveling down the road and you're waiting for the next step. Or maybe you know where you're right where you need to be. I know that in my life right now, I'm constantly seeking and striving to be the best that I can be. And for a very, very long time in the beginning, it led me down a road of depression. I didn't have any worth. I felt worthless. I couldn't see any good in myself. And that led me to seeing that because there was no good in me, I couldn't see any good in people. And therefore, how could I see the good in God? How could I see the good in God? And the problem was that I'd been traveling down the road for so long that I didn't feel like good existed. And it was only until I submitted my whole heart to Jesus Christ and I gave him my life that he began to do a great work in me. Now, this is where I got to plug summer camp at because this is the perfect time. I've seen many lives change at summer camp. I got many friends that went to this same summer camp just like I did constantly over the years since I've been going here. And they've accepted Jesus Christ into their hearts. This is a time for our young people to go and get a retreat, or as our church likes to call it, in advance. Get time away from the daily grind, the daily struggles, and be around a, a, a community that are striving for the same thing, to be better, to have Christ in their lives, to see the good. That's that coronavirus up in here this morning. I'm just playing, just playing, just playing. <laughs> chill out, chill out, chill out. I love y'all. It's a wonderful opportunity for your student to go experience Christ with the body of believers that want the same thing, to know Jesus. So if you're interested, I want you to reach out to us at Students at Salem Fields. And yes, that was a shameless plug. Do it in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. I want to take a quick look in the Bible with the person who dealt with a similar issue, just like I did and some of us here. In the book of Mark, there was this rich young ruler, and he was on a journey just like all of us. And he is, in fact, searching for fulfillment. He was searching for fulfillment. So as we open up to the story, I want to take a look at some key parts of this message, of this passage, excuse me. Let's read verse 17 through 18. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up, knelt down before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit life? Jesus says to him, why do you call me good? In fact, he says, no one is good but one, God. Now, just right there off the bat, I want to make a couple observations right here. Number one, this guy was rich, he was young, and he had people that worked for him. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, that sounds like hashtag goals <laughs> for a lot of folks. A lot of folks, right? I know, in fact, in my life, I've even searched for that. I go on YouTube a lot. I do my research. Anybody else go on YouTube and do research? Good. Because you want to strive to be better. And I can show you a handful of YouTube channels that teach you how to be rich, how to stay young, and how to make a lot of money and get people to work for you or make your money work for you. It's the trendy thing to do. That's what people want nowadays, right? If you want to be successful, you have to make a lot of money, you got to carry influence, and you have to be impressionable. That was even the standard back in ancient Israel, and it was working for the rich young ruler. The other interesting fact about this guy is that he was humble. This rich young ruler, I must just call him rich from now on, rich was very humble. And you can see that right there in the beginning of the verse in 17. He says he came to the feet of Jesus and he knelt down before him. Now let me ask you this question. How many of you know a few rich people out there, a few wealthy people out there? Raise your hand if you do. Now I don't want you to put them on blast. Those people who didn't raise their hands, they're the wealthy ones. <laughs> but nevertheless, in some cases, you might know somebody that they got a lot of extreme wealth you don't see them bowing down to many people. You don't see them kneeling down to many people because they feel like they have everything already. They already feel like they're at the top of the world. I could say that in my life. I love martial arts. Anybody in here love martial arts? 
Good. I love martial arts so much that I started taking jujitsu and I got my purple belt now, so I, I feel a little better about myself and my confidence. You know what I'm saying? And the reason it started out for me is because I watched this one movie. It was called Into the Dragon. Has anybody ever seen Into the Dragon here? Yes, my guy in here. Yes, Bruce Lee. And the gist of kung fu movies or martial arts movies in general is that there's a protagonist and there's an antagonist, right? And usually this antagonist has built up a big old crime ring. He's got a big old gang. He feels like he's at the top of the world and people should be bowing down to him. But then when the protagonist meets the antagonist, what happens? What does he say? He says, I bow down to no man. I bow down to no man. So at the ripe age of six, I carried that thought myself. I said, I bow down to no man. But this wasn't the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler, right, he did not bow down to any man. He did not bow down to any ordinary man. Because the fact was, he knew that Jesus was an extraordinary man. He knew that Jesus was an extraordinary man. He knew that he shouldn't judge. He knew that he shouldn't judge. You see, sometimes we get it ingrained in our minds that our judgment serves as the ultimate judgment of good and bad. Just like the lady in this video. Watch. <laughs> Everybody say this with me. Don't be too quick to judge because God is trying to move. Don't be too quick to judge because God is trying to move. And in this lady's case, she judged with her sight. She bought those cookies. She spent her hard-earned money on them. She sat down and was prepared to enjoy them. 
Problem was, there was this ignorant young man that was sitting right next to her that wanted those cookies. I'm speaking from the perspective of this lady. So he starts to picking up the cookies and eating them. And she just looks at him like, what, you, what is going on here? My granny would said, he's being trifling. He's being trifling right now. He has no business picking anything up out of this cookie jar. And he's, he's put it back down right now. Right now. It gets so bad. Well, let me ask you all a question real quick. How many of you have ever tried to talk to somebody and they weren't listening? How many of you ever tried to talk? Come on, wives, husbands, brothers, sisters. Come on, y'all. Be honest. Y'all on, all online there. You can look at each other if you want to. How many, let's make, it, let's make the situation even worse. How many of you have been trying to talk to somebody, but they had their headphones in? They weren't paying you no mind. That's happened before. Hey, I've done that to somebody. Ain't going to lie to you. How many of you, let's make, the situation, let's make the situation doubly worse. They got the headphones in and they're texting and they're not listening to you. You just want to snatch them up real quick, don't you? Pick them up, put them in a the choke slam. Listen, <laughs> this is me. <laughs> right? We get so agitated because we judge with our sight, just like this lady did. And then she got onto the train, and lo and behold, after that ticket master came and asked her for her ticket, what did she see? She saw her cookies. But for her, it was too late. For her, it was too late. But the interesting thing about the rich young ruler was he knew that Jesus was no ordinary man. In fact, he was an extraordinary man, so he was not too quick to judge with his sight. He was not too quick to judge with his sight. And I know that this man was good because of that. And we can know furthermore by reading verses 19 and 20. In verse 19 it says, you know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, don't bear false witness, do not defraud, and honor your mother and your father. Right? This man wanted to know how he was to inherit the kingdom. And Jesus wanted to check him. He said, okay, well, you need to be following your commandments. Are you following these commandments? And what does Rich say? He says, I've been doing it since my youth, man. What do you want? What else do I need? What more do you want from me? What else can I do? Am I not pleasing you? Am I not doing the right things? Jesus was trying to make a point here to this rich young ruler. He was trying to let him know that there was nothing that you can do or can be done to get into heaven. There's nothing that you can do. There aren't works that you can do that are going to get you into heaven. You see, this guy was so good. He'd been following the commandments since he was a wee little lad. To me, this showed discipline. Discipline in the sense that this guy had been accomplishing things left and right for almost all of his life. But even he knew that there was something more. You know, I can see across the board amongst those who are hungry and disciplined. Everybody say hungry and disciplined. They know that there's more to be achieved. You know, I just, and I just, and I'm just watching this. I'm, I'm trying to envision a rich young ruler here talking to Jesus. He's like, okay, what's good? I've been doing this. I've been doing this. But still, Jesus is saying to him, look, there's something more that needs to be done. There's something more that needs to be done. He wanted to show the rich young ruler that he should not fret over the aesthetics. He should not fret over the aesthetics. He should not fret over the accomplishments because he's missing the point. Don't, for everybody say this, don't fret over the aesthetics because I might be missing the point. I might be missing the point. You see, I want to ask you all a question. How does everyone, anyone, have everything but not feel satisfied? How does anyone have everything but not feel satisfied? What's the hindrance for you? Well, maybe it's what you're seeking isn't enough. Maybe you tried it already and you didn't like it. Or perhaps you like where you're at and you just need to take the next step. Sometimes we get caught up in the material so much that we lose sight of the goal. 
And for the rich young ruler, he followed the Ten Commandments. He did what he thought he was supposed to do. But again, Jesus was not trying to show him that. Jesus was not trying to show him that he needed to follow the Ten Commandments. He was trying to show him that there was nothing that he could do. Nothing that he could do. And that was happening because he was fretting over the aesthetics. Let me ask you guys another question. How many of you have ever made a decision based on being aesthetically pleasing and it turned out to be a horrible decision? Come on, raise your hands. I know I have. I made quite a few horrible decisions. And I'm about to tell you one right now. Somebody's going to get me after the service, but hey, it is what it is. So I was in ninth grade, and this was a transformational period for me as much as it was for anybody else who went through ninth grade. Who was in ninth grade before? If your hands aren't raised, you better be in middle school <laughs> or lower, right? This is a transformational period for a lot of folks because they're trying to find out what crowd they want to fit into, what piece of the pie that they need to be taken, what circle they need to be in. And for me, I've been hanging out with my cousin since day one. Now I'm going to give you a little bit of perspective here. My cousin was a buck 30 soaking wet. I was 230 pounds. I was doing athletics. He was skateboarding. The problem with me was I don't got the mindset of an athlete. I don't have the mindset of an athlete. And so I naturally gravitated towards what my cousin was doing because he accepted me naturally, right? So I started skateboarding. I was wearing shorts, T-shirt, and my regular basketball shoes getting my scrapes, getting my bruises, getting my war wounds, getting concussions and not telling nobody, laying up in bed with my head hurting. But nevertheless, I just went through with it. I followed through. I went through with the pain, right, because I wanted to fit in. I wanted to fit in. And then it got so far to the point where I decided, hey, I need to take it a step further and be aesthetically pleasing. I need to be aesthetically pleasing. So let me ask you this question. What do skaters wear? They wear vans, obviously. They wear beanies, hats, t-shirts, the skate shoes. And what's the most impressionable thing you see about a skater? The jeans. Them skinny jeans. <laughs> now, just like I told you before, he was a buck 30 soaking wet. I was 230 pounds. My behind don't got no business putting no skinny jeans on. Furthermore, when I went to the store to find skinny jeans, they didn't have any my size. You know, God tries to show you some stuff when you're on your journey. Sometimes you just look past it. <laughs> I most certainly was looking past it. So with my creative self, I said, okay, well, I'm just going to go buy another kind of jean. Does anybody know what kind of jeans they were? Jeans. Women's jeans. <laughs> <laughs> Women's jeans. Because they stretch. And they get real thin down at the bottom. It was perfect, right? Because I needed to be aesthetically pleasing. Man, I rocked those things so much during school, I didn't care what nobody said because I thought I fit in. The problem was every morning there was a covert operation that I needed to tend to. <laughs> to make sure my brother didn't come in my room, I locked the door. I'd get those skinny jeans. I had them in a shoebox. I'd pull them out. I'd go lay on that bed, put my legs up, pull them things down, hop up and start jumping, make them fit. I'm not built for that. <laughs> I'm not supposed to be doing that. But nevertheless, I still went to school. And I liked the way I looked. So anytime I didn't have football practice or I didn't have wrestling practice, I would go home, do the same thing in reverse, that covert operation. Get in my room, lock the door. Bed, legs, boom, take them off, put shirts back on, comfortable, comfy, I was rocking, you know? If you're an athlete, then you probably know that you got to eat a certain amount of food to keep up with your energy. Otherwise, them after school sports come at you hard. <laughs> they come at you real hard. And so on this particular occasion, I ate a little too much salt. I blew up like a balloon. It didn't look like it, but it felt like it because them pants started to hurt. <laughs> they started to hurt. These are supposed to be stretchy. I stretched them out. 
So I got home, laid on the bed. Oh, excuse me, I locked the door, laid on the bed. Then I laid down. They didn't go up. I couldn't get them off. Heck, the button didn't want to come off. So acting out of impulse, I went and grabbed some scissors. I cut from the leg all the way up to the belt loop. From the leg all the way up to the belt loop. Took them things off, never wore them again. You want to know what the moral of the story is? Yes, thank you, Jason. <laughs> you want to know what the moral of the story is? Wear boot cuts. <laughs> Wear boot cuts. No, I'm just playing. The moral of the story is that aesthetics might look good, but they're not always right. I wasn't built for that. That wasn't my purpose. And continuing on with the rich young ruler, you see, there are a lot of rich people out that do a lot of rich people things, right? Some create businesses, some buy art, real estate, trade stocks. They invest in the future or even create massive structures. You know, there was one man in specific. His name was Joseph Bruce Ismay. He was a young and wealthy man, and he created a massive structure that cost a lot of money. It was about $400 million. They even made a movie out of it. By show of hands, does anybody know what that structure was? I didn't think, huh? Hey, watch this video. It took three years to build and less than three hours to sink. The most iconic shipwreck in history, the Titanic. Held as the most beautiful and luxurious boat of her time, the Titanic set sail once and for all from Southampton, England to New York City on April 10th, 1912. She weighed a record-breaking 46,000 tons and was built by some 15,000 people. Ironically, the ship boasted many of the best safety features of its day. A prestigious journal, The Shipbuilder Magazine, called the Titanic practically unsinkable. The popular opinion quickly grew that the Titanic was indestructible. An ominous consequence of this overconfidence, during its voyage, there were no passenger safety drills to give instructions on where to go or which lifeboats to board in case of emergency. But there weren't enough lifeboats to begin with, only 20 available, which was enough to carry about half of the total passengers and crew. Bruce Ismay, the owner, thought having 64 lifeboats, enough for everyone on board, would make the ship look too cluttered. This emphasis on elegance didn't stop with Titanic's outward appearance. Inside were top-notch luxuries, the grand staircase running the height of six decks, a heated swimming pool, a state-of-the-art gym, four restaurants, and two barbershops. So how much did the Titanic cost? About $7.5 million at the time, or over $400 million today. I could do a lot of things with $400 million. I ain't gonna lie to you. Does anybody know what the catastrophic moment was for that vessel? By show of hands? Oh, I can't let the students answer. I can't let the students answer. All right, Julia, what you got? <clears throat> Give her a hand. Give her a hand. Your kids be talking to you at the church on Sundays? Yeah, <laughs> that's good. You got a great relationship with your kids. That's amazing. Yes, it was the fact that Joseph Ismay decided to focus on the aesthetics and not the purpose. He focused on the aesthetics and not the purpose. What is the purpose of a ship? Pardon? To go from point A to point B across the sea, right? Why would you take away the one thing necessary if the thing fails? Right? Think about it for a second, though. Let's think about, let's think about what Joseph was thinking about. If I'm spending $400 million on this, it better look good. It better look good. I got to have four restaurants. I got to have a grand staircase to show everybody how much I spent on this. I got to have two barbershops. Even people back in the day needed to keep their hair straight. Two barbershops. 
in a heated swimming pool in a state-of-the-art gym. Why in the world would I want some funky old lifeboats on the deck to congest the beauty of what I created? He missed the point. He missed the point. He made that one fatal decision that not only destroyed a dream, but it destroyed many people's lives in the making. Everyone say this with me. It's my hands, but it's God's plan. It's my hands, but it's God's plan. We get so focused on what, how, and when we want to do things, but ultimately, if we want to be fulfilled, we have to know that it's our hands, but it's God's plan. Everybody say that one more time. It's our hands, but it's God's plan. And as we look to verses 21 and 22, Jesus finally informs the man about what he needs to do in order to gain eternal life. And in verse 21, he told him that he needed to give up the last piece of the puzzle, which was what? His possessions. The things that was near and dear to him. The things that he strived for. The one thing that was holding him back. You see, the rich young ruler came to Jesus at the right place. And he came at the right time. However, he did the wrong thing. He did the wrong thing. He even asked what he should do to gain eternal life. Now, let's think about that for a second. He had everything. He had everything going for him. Money. People working for him. And he was young. He was an impressionable man. He was humble. People liked him. Again, why would he bow down? Why would he submit to somebody like that? It was because he knew Jesus was no ordinary man. He was an extraordinary man. The problem for the rich young ruler was that he desired to see things through, but he lacked the commitment to follow through. He lacked the commitment to follow through. Let me ask you this question. Have any of you had the desire for something and you wanted to see it through, but you got to a certain point where there was something else you needed to do, something else you needed to give up that might be near and dear to you? For me, it's like playing chess. In the beginning, I thought it was like playing checkers. Because in checkers, there are only a certain amount of moves you can begin to make before somebody loses or wins. Well, in chess, there's an opening. There's a bunch of combinations and variations that you need to decide on that are going to get you to a point called the middle game. At that middle game, there are theory and tactics that you have to use that get you to the point called the end game. Now, based off of your decisions, seal your fate. At the end game there. You're either going to be victorious or you're not going to be victorious. You're going to lose. I can count on, I can show you many games that I've played in chess where I began and I focused more on the position than the purpose. I focused on the position rather than the purpose and I ended up in a place where I did not want to be. So I felt like giving up. I felt like giving in. And then I thought to myself, I should have focused on the purpose and not the position. I should have focused on the purpose and not the position. You see, sometimes we lose sight of the purpose and focus too much on the position. And that's what Jesus was trying to show the rich young ruler. Rich, man, my guy, look. You've been doing this so much. You've been focusing on the position so much that you've forgotten the purpose of knowing me. You've forgotten the purpose of knowing me. He knew that the rich young ruler had been focusing on the position. So he said, go give the thing up that's closest to you so that you can be in a truly honest, open, and transparent relationship with me. Jesus wanted a hot relationship with this rich young ruler. He wanted an honest, open, 
and transparent relationship with him. And he informed the rich young ruler on what he had to do. Get rid of the thing that's closest to you. Give it to me. Do you trust me? Do you trust me with your closest possessions? The thing that you work so hard for? How about it, Rich? You've done everything that you needed to do. Congrats. You followed the commandments from day one. Now give me the thing that's closest to you. You might be at a point right now in your life where you're just at the beginning, the middle, or close to the end. If you're in the beginning, God's going to begin to ask you for some things. He's going to ask you for some things that are holding you back, that he wants to take. It's like a puzzle piece, right? Something that you're holding on to that's near and dear to your heart that you're not quite ready to submit. But see, the thing is, God's been trying to finish this puzzle. And that puzzle is you. That puzzle is you. You might be in the middle right now. You might be in the middle of your journey. So that puzzle piece might represent something to you where you're just waiting for the next step. You're waiting for the next step. You're waiting for what God is trying to tell you. You know that he has a purpose for you. And you're continuing regardless. And if you're at the last step, if you're at the end of your journey, and you know that you've been pursuing God, being faithful for his purpose, you've been submissive to him all of your life, You're being willfully obedient to him because you know that this honest and open and transparent relationship is the best thing for you out of all the things that you've experienced. You get to focus on the fact that if you haven't been called home yet, you got to continue serving. And serving him faithfully. And you're proud to do it. And so here on the stage, we've got some uh, bowls here with a few puzzle pieces. I promise you it's corona free. We've sanitized all the puzzle pieces. If you believe that. (laughs) These puzzle pieces represent something extremely significant in your life. If you're at the beginning, it represents something that God wants from you, that you're holding on to. And you just keep saying, but God, I've worked for this so hard. Why can't I keep this? Why can't I hold on to this? And God's saying simply to you, because it's hindering you. It's hindering you. If you come up here and you're in the middle of your journey, then this puzzle piece represents what you gave up to follow him and that you're serving his purpose and that you're trying to do it willfully and that you're pursuing an honest, open, and transparent relationship. And if you're at the end of your journey, if you're nearing the end of your journey, this is your trophy. This is your trophy because it represents all the pieces of the puzzle that you had to give to God to get where you're at. It represents the fact that you've been living out in honesty. You've been living out being as open as you possibly can and as transparent transparent as you can. Loving God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. So as the worship team plays this song, I would love each and every one of you just to make your way up here. Take a puzzle piece, and you can stay up here and worship, or you can go back to your seat. Nobody's going to judge you. I want you to hold this in your hand, and I want you to pray over it. What does it mean to you in your life? 
Let's worship. just so thankful for you we surrender ourselves to you 
God, no matter what it is in our lives, we know that you are better for us. God, we know that it is our hands, God, but we also know that it's your plan. God, we know that it is our sight, but at the end of the day, God, we know that you are right. So God, we trust in you with all of our hearts and we lean not on our own understanding, God. And we submit to you in all of our ways and because of that, you've told us that you're gonna make our path straight. We are proclaiming that right now. Can I get an amen? Thank you, God, so much for what you're going to do in our lives, Lord. Thank you for what you've already done. We are so thankful. So thankful. In Jesus' name we say and pray. Amen.